Ford K9 LLC. Are you looking for a handler school, trainer school, or attend one of our one-week development courses for dogs, handlers, or trainers? Are you in one of the various detection dog scent sports doing nose work or scent work? We have classes and seminars for you as well. We offer trainer classes as well as seminars for many of you handlers. Ford K9 is not just in Vegas, but we can come to you with many of our seminars like K9 Cognition, Detection Using Cognition, The Trust Momentum, and many more. Ford K9 also offers fully trained detection dogs. Contact us. We have access to a variety of breeds of dogs that Cameron custom trains to meet your detection needs. All dogs come with a handler school when you pick up your canine as well. For more information, go visit our website, www.fordcanine.com. Welcome to Talking Sense, the podcast where we discuss all things detection dogs. Broadcasting from Scent City at the Ford Canine Training Center in Las Vegas, here's your host, Cameron Ford. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Canine's Talking Sense, the podcast dedicated to everything detection dogs. I'm your host, Cameron Ford, broadcasting from Scent City in Las Vegas from Ford Canine. This is episode 53. On this episode, I am going to have a good conversation in relation to some of the new emerging detection dog fields out there with so many uh, getting out of law enforcement or doing career changes. The various platforms or disciplines for detection has grown tremendously, especially in unique categories uh, within the conservation realm, cost savings for companies, uh, research, and so forth. So we'll talk about that more in this episode coming up and who my guest is. But until then, I wanted to kind of go through a little, you know, like I do every episode uh, update on what's going on, what's new. Um, well, first, we had the launch of the new Ford K9 website. And wow, thank you guys so much for the support on that launch. We've reached a few thousand subscribers. Um, people definitely excited for the online courses. We have an amazing list of instructors who will be doing different courses on uh, the Ford K9 online uh, curriculum that we'll have offered here starting hopefully in December. The uh, All the instructors right now are loading all their content up into our system so that way we can start uh, formatting it, putting it together for various different types of classes. And on that front, there is currently some uh, webinars that have been on there for a while, but is a new one called Canine Defensibility. And that is with uh, Dr. Mary Cable. So many of you might have heard of Dr. Mary Cable. Uh, she has been a subject matter expert for uh, a few cases that are well known, uh, Utah being one of them. She was a subject matter expert for the defense. Uh, she testifies for defense many times. She also has testified on the side of law enforcement, but uh, she has testified more frequently on the defense side of things. So with that said, I reached out to her and we kind of, uh, since that interview I did with her on the podcast, we decided to do a webinar covering canine record keeping, things that somebody like her looks for, what are important things to document, uh, and why you document things that you should, and, and the way that you should document those items. So go check out the website. It's under webinars. It's under the new uh, webinar. It's right up top, so you can't miss it. Canine Defensibility with Dr. Mary Cable and myself. So go check that one out. Along with all that, we also have now all of the classes and seminars I'm doing at least until around June 2022. There's some additional uh, travel seminars that are listed on there that go all the way through until late fall of next year. Uh, so it's super simple. Just go to the FordK9.com website, click on all events. Um, it's under the uh, classes tab and you can go see wherever I'm teaching at. You can search by state, by country, by seminar. Uh, you can queue that information up, see where I'm going to be at. Um, 
And then if it's an out-of-state location, their contact information for the individual hosting me is on there, and you can reach out to that person and find out is there any available uh, audit spots or working spots and sign up that way. Uh, we at Ford K9, I don't do the signups for uh, seminars I'm doing out of town because that's the uh, host who's taking care of that. They just make sure I get out there and I do my lecture part of it. So uh, speaking of the uh, seminars, uh, we've been really busy, as many of you have seen, with the canine cognition seminars. Those have been super busy. Uh, we also just launched the puppy cognition seminars. So my trainer, uh, Natalie Morris, she is doing all of the puppy cognition uh, along with me, but she is the kind of the main one spearheading that because she is also the one doing all the puppy raising here at Ford K9, her and some of the trainers I have working here. So if you are interested in the canine cognition, that is also on the website. We are doing things like canine cognition instructor courses that line up right with a puppy cognition uh, seminar. So that way you can go right from canine cognition instructor, roll right into puppy cognition, and in some cases roll in from puppy cognition into the detection, I'm sorry, the selection to detection uh, seminar that we also offer. So I try to set this up for as much bang for your buck coming to Vegas at one time and keeping it, you know, under a, you know, within a week period of time. So that way you're not out of pocket from your area for too long. So go check out those things on the Ford K9 website. Also, you guys have probably have seen more frequently, I've been doing YouTube videos and we now have a Ford K9 YouTube channel. So please go check that out. Please like and subscribe, as they always say for all the YouTube stuff. Um, the more people like and subscribe the different videos uh, and subscribe to the Ford K9 channel, it allows us to do even more things on there. So, but I want to hear from all of you guys what kind of videos would you like to see on YouTube? With that said, we have lots of instructional videos coming out, which will be part of the online courses that we have on FordK9.com. But I want to hear from you guys. I did the top 10, you know, Q&A, but let me know. Is there a product you want me to see uh, see me using? Is there uh, something you want to know about how I travel with training aids, how I store training aids, uh, what are some vessels I use? Um, those are things that come to mind right now. Maybe some things I look for that are attributes to certain types of dogs, whatever it is. Um, shoot me an email to info at fordk9.com. Let me know what you would like to see, and we'll start putting some videos together. Maybe it's some puppy stuff. You know, whatever it is, let us know. So with that said, there was uh, some new research came out from a good friend of ours, Dr. Lauren DeGrief, on odor mixtures. So of course I had to take an opportunity to sit down and interview Dr. Lauren DeGrief so I'm doing a little teaser. The next episode will be with Dr. Lauren DeGrief, and we talk everything about odor mixtures, so stay tuned for that. And right before we always get started with these episodes, I always want to take a second to give some shout-outs to some people. In this case, it'll be a number of nonprofits. So I want to start off by giving a shout-out to Spike's Canine Front. Uh Spike's Canine Fund is run by a gentleman named Jimmy Hatch, uh, former uh, Naval Special Warfare dog handler, uh, really good friends with my former employer, uh, Cobra Canine. Uh, he is, does an amazing job with this nonprofit. Spike's Canine Fund gives out, whether it be canine care for retired dogs or dogs that are injured, um, training, all kinds of things. Jimmy's out there really supporting the canine community. So go check out Spike's Canine Fund. They're on Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of good stuff. Georgia Police Canine Foundation. This is another really good nonprofit that puts out a lot of help for agencies that may need some help with training, um, products, things of that nature. They help support and get out free classes, seminars, and so forth uh, that they host or they try to host so that way individuals uh, in the Southeast and even further can get some good quality training. So go check out Georgia Police Canine Foundation. 
And then the last one is one that I actually came in contact with last weekend when I was in uh, Houston, Pets for Vets. What this organization does is find pets, whether it be dogs or cats or sometimes other things too, to help out some of our wounded warriors, our soldiers that have PTSD and other things to find that companion that really just helps them out, that helps bring normalcy to their lives, helps bring stability. And having that bond and that relationship with an animal is, as we all know, an amazing thing. So go check out Pets for Vets. All the ones I've mentioned are 501c3 organizations. They're always looking for donations. So go check these organizations out. Give them some support. Show them some love. They all have a great mission. And then, of course, my show sponsors. Big shout out to Bill Gaskins over at Integrity Noseworks. Uh, Bill is up there in the Northeast. So if you're looking for a good nose work trainer, uh, some detection dog training, go check out Integrity Noseworks. And it's spelled with an X at the end, not K. So Integrity Noseworks, W-O-R-X. And go check out Bill. He's also on uh, social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, uh, Integrity Noseworks. And of course, our staples, our main ones that always support us, the Psy Canine, Michelle Mon, Dr. Michelle Mon and Jenna Gadbury that come out with the TADs that are great devices for training. Also Precision Explosives who have great products for those that may not be able to get their hands on, uh, let's say, narcotics or, or whatever, explosives, etc. They have the real odor. It's not synthetic. It's not pseudo. It's the real odor. Um, impregnated onto an item that's by our next sponsor, GetScent. If you guys haven't seen GetScent, go check out GetScent. That is G-E-T-X-E-N-T. They make a great product that is another tool in your toolbox to use for putting out odor. These tubes, basically you put them with whatever the substance is that you want. These tubes absorb the odor from the inside out And then these items you can place in very small areas for training and have, you know, low level odor output depending on the substance, but it gives you another dynamic for training. But this, the key here is this product is sterile. It's not contaminated with other stuff. And then the next episode coming up with uh, Dr. Lauren DeGrief, we talk about some of this stuff. Um, Go check out Get Scent. It's a great product. Every student coming through Ford Canine, if you're coming through a detection class or our trainer's course, you will get a TAD and you will get some get sent tubes when you come through class. I want you to have hands-on with these items that I talk about. And best way is when you're here in a school, guess what you get to have? You get to have some of these things, keep your hands on them, uh, use them and see for yourself. So that's all of the pre-intro show notes that I have for everybody. Everything I talked about will be down below in the uh, show notes of this podcast, the websites, the connections, uh, the products, all of that will be there. So episode 53 here is a great episode, like I mentioned, for those looking to get into detection outside of the normal explosive, narcotics, typical thing. Um This guest, his name is Paris Nicholson. Paris has done a lot of those different things, all as a civilian company. He comes from the British Virgin Islands. He's done a lot of work with agencies down there, and his company has grown to now a pipeline leak detection company. He was one of the first out there doing these dogs. He now runs schools about that. And we talk about all of that and more on this episode. So without any further delay, here we go on to episode 53 in the interview with Paris Nicholson. Hello and welcome to this episode of Canines Talking Sense. This next guest I have, we have known each other for uh, the plus side of 15 or more years. Uh, this is back when I had my, uh, my place down in Florida. Uh, he was in the Virgin Islands. But uh, welcome, Paris Nicholson, to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Cameron. Always good to talk to you, man. 
Yeah, no. So you have a pretty rich and diverse background. So, you know, this conversation will be a lot about your pipeline leak detection dogs. But tell us about your background and then eventually how you got into that field of work. Sure, sure. Uh, it all started in 1981. I don't want to really, uh, you know, <laughs> let that people know how old I am. But it all started. <laughs> it all started in 1981, joining the uh, U.S. Virgin Islands Police Department, um, called the VIPD. Went into patrol, and then within 10, 11 months, I was transferred to the Canine Corps of the Virgin Islands Police Department, which I was totally ecstatic because I really, really loved dogs. Um, I actually got in because I used to go and clean kennels every day. For the, for the officers that were already in the unit. And so they were like, well, hey, you know what? We got a couple of openings here. Why don't we give it to that guy who's always, you know, help, helping out here and cleaning kennels every day? So I, I got into got into that way, graduated first in my class out of about, I think it was about eight officers, and just started to really do well in um, seizures, apprehensions, and all that good stuff. And in about three years later, they made me the head trainer of the Virgin Islands Police Department, St. Thomas, St. John um, District uh, Canine Corps. And um, in 1986, I was involved in a terrible incident where I was tracking some armed robbery suspects that robbed a couple of jewelry stores there in the islands. And um, they actually wound up shooting and killing my dog. We had a big shootout and stuff like that. So I lost Barry. And um, after I had lost Barry, the overwhelming support from the community just, I mean, the donations just started coming in to fund. They wanted more and more canine officers. So I did that for a while. And then after, uh, back in 1989, I left the department and started my own security guard agency. And I employed over 300 um, security guards. And I did that for a while. And I also, during that time, you know, I'm always into firearms and dogs, everything having to do with security. Um, I built the Virgin Islands' first indoor shooting range. I was an ATF licensee and um, had a lot of guys from the police department who were firearm instructors. So I decided that, hey, let me um, try building an indoor shooting range. So I did that for a few years. And then my wife said, you know, hey, honey, you know, maybe we should consider moving to the States. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, when the wife makes those kind of suggestions, it's like, OK, let me uh, look about doing that. So we um, we moved up here into Florida and back in 2003. And um, that's where we ran into you and stuff, because I was still getting calls from so many Caribbean agencies about, you know, whether it's dogs whether it's selling firearms, whether it's doing firearm training. So it was a, it was a constant. Um, and I actually also built a training facility, a, a canine training facility in St. Thomas. And it, everything really worked out uh, nice for us in terms of even at the canine training facility that I built, we were able to procure U.S. Customs and Border Protection housing their uh, canines with us because things work a little bit differently in the, in the islands. And the fortunate thing is that the U.S. Virgin Islands belongs to the United States. And so we have all the federal law enforcement agencies um, operate from there. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for a while. And then after 9-11 hit, I was still being approached by companies to perform searches on the cruise ships because the number one um, industry in the U.S. Virgin Islands is tourism. And the cruise ships were concerned about, you know, explosive devices coming on the cruise ships, especially after 9-11. So I was contacted by a company by the name of Anditech, um, again, because I have a kennel out there, I trained dogs, and it was like a perfect fit. And so between myself and my son and a couple other guys that I still employed, um, they would do all the uh, explosive uh, detection uh, searches on, on the cruise ships. And that's even after, that continued after I moved to the States where my oldest son, um, who you met, my namesake, we call him Nikki, so no one gets confused. Um, he actually runs the canine training facility down there in St. Thomas till this day. Yeah. So it's it's been a it's been an interesting ride. Yeah, no, that's for sure. I mean, like you said, you know, uh, we crossed paths in 2003, right after, of course, the you know kind of growth of the industry after 9/11, and you know how many dogs were needed, and you were sitting on a 
great location. Obviously, tourism was a huge factor for that whole region down there, and safety was a major component, and you had basically the only kennel down there, so anybody who <laughs> wanted to do any work needed a place to house dogs, needed you. So yes. <laughs> talk about, yeah, as they always say in business, location, 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 and it, it you had the best location. You were in the right spot at the right time, and you know, how, you know, like I said, we developed our friendship through back in those days, I was providing dogs to you. But the big thing was you were investing in the future of your program. And you had, you know, your son, Paris Jr., Nikki, come yep. through training with me. And, and I mean, you did too. But, you know, at that time, you were already starting to hand those reins over to him. And he was a young 20 something year old. Yeah. And uh, he was, you know, d- at that time, didn't know what he didn't know. But, it brings around that full circle thing that you talked about when you first got into canine. It's like earning your way in. You, For you, you went in and cleaned kennels. You yeah. started there. And yep. you showed your worth and you showed why you should do, there, do that kind of work. And it was obviously got the attention of the active handlers who then brought you along. How important was it? in that time frame, and, and really even today to kind of earn your position and, and what you learned from the ground up. Yeah, that was, uh, that was the key. First of all, you know, having the love for what you do is, is mm-hmm. paramount. I was showing and everyone knew my love for dogs and my ability to my God given ability to communicate with the dog, communicate with my patrol dog in the back of my car. Um, I even went in, I remember, that um, I got involved with a uh, another apprehension, and the guy, the actual perpetrator was, I didn't get the dog out the car yet. I stopped the guy, and then he started to fight me. Mm-hmm. And um, we got into like a fight. And back in the days, in the 80s, we didn't have these remote-controlled doors that pop, <laughs> pop open the back of the car, and the dog runs out. And, and so my dog was in the back going crazy, crazy. And fortunately, I was strong enough that I was able to subdue the uh, suspect. And then I said to my supervisor, who was the commander of the unit, I said, man, I said, can I take out my cage of the back of, of the car and just put in a plexiglass that slides? And that way I'll teach my dog to jump from the back of the car to the front window and then out. He said, absolutely. And so that's when, you know, you just got to come up with different uh, different ideas. I've, I've learned over the course of training dogs since back in the 80s that we all don't know everything. And even to my students today, I always tell them, I said, if you have an idea, if you have something that you think of, please bring it to my attention. It's not because we've trained dogs out here for half a century that we know everything. Things can change. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of my students give me like a little, a few pointers here and then, and I, and I take and run with it. Yeah, no, it's, it, and it is especially, the whole dog world in general is getting better than we ever used to be. And then, of course, scent detection is even more um, a field that's growing. And one of the areas that I knew you guys were kind of, ahead of the curve was in firearms detection because back in the early 2000s and of course 90s none of that was on the radar really in the u.s programs at all uh, but the laws are different down in the islands you know people yes. can't just have firearms um talk about like you know firearms detection down the islands how it's used and kind of like the i mean obviously the main reason is the people aren't allowed to have it but how it's done and the importance of it yeah, firearm detection is has developed, like you said, back in the 2000s. Um, firearms on the, in the Virgin Islands is really, really prohibited, really strictly regulated. Um, however, because we have the relationship that we all are, are U.S. citizens, uh, what was happening were people were getting on planes, flying up to Florida or flying up to, you know, any place that they can easily purchase a farm legally. And then heading back to the islands with it. And basically all you have to do would, would have to do is declare to the airlines when you're traveling back to St. Thomas from the United States that I have a, I'm declaring I have a farm in my bag. And so what's what started to happen was numerous, numerous amounts of farms entering the territory. And that became a major problem. So that's why we started, cert, you know, going on the, the training um, aspect of teaching these dogs to detect firearms and luggage and in different compartments and stuff like that because um, it's very, very hard to get a, a legal firearm in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So, mm-hmm. but, but because of our relationship with the U.S. Virgin Islands and the United States, um, it was really, really easy to bring guns in. Yeah, no, and, and it, it was, I mean, 
how much of a challenge was it? You know, because obviously it's just like the war on drugs. So much gets through anyway. What would you guys say is the amount of that you find versus probably that gets through when you guys were doing it? Because it, it was well, still kind of new then. Yeah, when we started doing it, it was probably about a 35% success rate mm-hmm. and 65% were still um, getting through. I mean, the logistic problem alone of being, there's so many ports of entries in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So that was another issue in addition to trying to sell the uh, Port Authority, let's say, and other agencies that, hey, we need to get some some of these dogs you know, out and about at the airports, at the ferry terminals. So it was really rough. It still is a major, major issue with um, the one of the tourism commissioners even uh, approached the airlines about, mm-hmm. hey, could you notify us if somebody comes to, let, let's say I'm in Miami, and I, I'm, take, I'm taking an American Airlines flight, direct flight to St. Thomas, and somebody comes up and says, hey, um, I, I'm declaring a farm in my luggage. They even asked if the, the airlines would notify law enforcement that there's somebody traveling on the plane with a farm, then the airlines refused. They, you know, basically they said liability and violations and stuff like that. So that's the problem you have with the U.S. Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. You don't have that much of a problem in other Caribbean islands because it's it's not U.S. You have the British Virgin Islands, which is right next to us, and you have places like Anguilla, Turks and Caicos, Antigua, Saint Kitts. Um, that's a whole different ball game. But because it's basically U.S. to U.S., you're flying from the U.S. Mm-hmm. to the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, no passport required. If you're born in the U.S. Virgin Islands, you're a U.S. citizen. So mm-hmm. that's pros and cons. <laughs> this is pros yeah. and that was one of the, that was one of, that is still the biggest con today is just trying to regulate the firearms coming in. Yeah, because they want it, it'll fall under Fourth Amendment rights and so on and so forth. So a different set right. of rules uh, when it comes to what you can search and how you can search it and all that kind of good stuff versus yeah. obviously the island right next door, the British Virgin Islands, which the laws are totally different, and you're literally right next to each other. And I know it's, <laughs> I mean, stones throw away from the rules are one way here and one way over here. So yes. as a dog yeah. handler, and all those guys work together for the most part. They all know each other. They've all done you know various joint trainings together, but the rules are so different. You yes. know, yes. And, and you oh, had yeah. a unique position to sell and bring dogs in and train all sides. Yes. So, yep. yeah. It's, uh, I, I mean, talk about a challenge in, in dealing with that. So the, uh, the other part, you've spent a major portion of your career uh, being an entrepreneur in the dog world. What is something or what's one of your biggest takeaways that you've learned being a business person within this working dog community? A couple of things. One is that um, some of the requests that you can get is just things that you probably never even thought about in terms of either agencies contacting you or civilians contacting you in terms of asking if you can provide this type of dog for them. That's been my biggest surprise to this in, in, this in, in, in the industry. Um, and then the, the, what has grown over the years is the amount of people who want to learn how to work dogs. Back in the, my day when I first started, you just had a select few. And, you know, it, but it, back in the 90s and the 2000s and stuff, it just like to me, it just exploded that people wanted to learn. Um, not only agencies wanted to add canine capabilities to their um, uh, department, but also civilians, whether it's uh, security guard agencies, civilians or um, private security companies. Uh, it's just uh, it's just been been increasing every, every year. Yeah, no, and, and at those times, it's, you know, social media started. I mean, well, actually, the internet really grew, obviously, 90s, and then 90s to early 2000s, social media and videos and all these things started going, so um, the world became a whole lot smaller, a whole lot faster, Yeah, and then the, I think there's also the mentality of, just like you said a few minutes ago, do what you love doing. So a lot of people really enjoy working with animals, specifically dogs, and wanted to find a way into doing that. And then 9-11 happens, and then the need for detection dogs, specifically explosive detection dogs, skyrockets. And now you have a, a whole new emerging market that came into not just 
being a bomb dog handler, but then it had to be how to train dogs, how to train handlers, how to breed or procure dogs, raise dogs, all these different things started, you know, kicking into gear in all different directions. And, you know, I know you've had, you've been able to have your hands in a couple different ways of doing that. And, you know, as the industry changed over time, so now we fast forward, you know, to the late 2000s into the 10s and so forth, the need of bomb dogs kind of subsides a little bit, or I should say the market dilutes with lots of competitors, lots of offerings for uh, a client or a customer who's looking for something. Uh, There's tons of options out there. So then you kind of have to go into... Um, you know, either finding some niche that makes you better or different so that way yep. people are drawn to you. Or in your case, what I found really interesting is you found a whole new niche that yep. really <laughs> no one paid attention to it, um, and that's the pipeline leak detection. Uh, yep. Talk about how you got into that, and we'll kind of go from there. So how did you get into it, and how did it get started for you? Well, it was blessed. Remember, I mentioned that company name, Amdetect. They mm-hmm. actually had a subs, another company called TechScent, which they were doing like wanting wanting to get involved in leak detection, and they were looking for handlers. And my oldest son was up in the states, and he got on board with them, and he would go on the, the pipeline jobs and stuff. To make a long story short, um, TechScent would only lasted for like maybe two or three years. And then they just said, hey, you know what? We don't want to do this anymore. And I said, well, no way. I said, this is something with that I think can we can really take and run with this. Mm-hmm. And so we started to actually physically doing it, hiring up a couple of guys. My son, Nikki, was, you know, well into it, knew everything there was to know about it. And we started doing it and we couldn't believe the the money that was was involved in it because it's, mm-hmm. you're dealing with energy, you're dealing with oil and gas. Yeah. Um, and so we did that for several years. Again, we were blessed. We had the facility. We could train the dogs up. We knew how to do it. And we weren't sharing that technology with anybody because, yeah. I mean, I know what was going on. Like you said, you know, the, 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 the canine industry was just growing and growing and growing. So I said, you know what, let's try to keep this um, amongst us for, you know, as mm-hmm. long as we can. And so doing jobs in Canada, doing jobs in Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, all for the major oil and gas companies, probably after a few years, I going on jobs with my son and with, with my guys, it started to really wear on me in terms of one of the things, drawbacks of pipeline, is you got to drive to basically every location. Mm-hmm. And so being in Florida, based in Florida, when we would get a call from TransCanada, and say, hey, we got a leak up here in trans in, in a place called Nipigon, Canada. I have to go and look it up. Where is Nipigon, Canada? Yeah, you know, and it's in the <laughs> middle of it's in the middle of nowhere in Canada, and that's a forty-hour drive from Florida. Yeah. And so, picture doing that year after year after year after year. And so, I'll never forget in two thousand and thirteen, coming back from a, a job in Hobbs, New Mexico, which Hobbs, New Mexico, is considered one of the um, great pipeline areas of our country. Coming back, I said to, to Nikki driving, because he's, he's driving, we're driving in the car together with the dogs. I said, man, I said, I, I can't do this driving anymore. I can't, I can't do this anymore. So he said, mm-hmm. you, you've got to be kidding me. What are you going to do? And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to open up a school. I'm going to mm-hmm. start teaching this to people. He says, well, who, would, who in God's name would want to learn how to do this? I said, well, how about the money that you make by going on each pipeline job? And he said, yeah, okay, dad, you're right. And yeah. so I decided in 2013 to open a school and just start to share the um, technology, information, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. with others. And we um, have trained, right now I think we're up to close to 50 uh, individuals we have trained. And again, Pipeline has grown in terms of what we are offering now in terms of the training. Yeah. And like, like you said, the things in, in, in the canine world just, just are expanding. And so... Like I said, in 2013, decided to open up the school, started teaching it to others, and we're really, really proud of some of our graduates who have just taken it and are, are excelling and just yeah. making making a name out there for using the dog. Some of our graduates have regular clients that only call them. Um, some of our graduates have 
gotten received written testimonials from pipeline companies, which was in my day starting this was unheard of. Yeah. Nobody, nobody in the pipeline industry is going to let say, Hey, Paris, we appreciate it, man. You guys found the leaks. The dogs came in because the pipeline companies don't want anyone else to know that they had a leak. Sure. Of course. <laughs> so it's not something that you can advertise like, you know, Hey man, I just got a seizure of narcotics. I just, and I, I just I just apprehended the suspect. No, you can't really announce things like that in the pipeline industry. You can't go, I went to Exxon and found 15 <laughs> leaks in like two miles. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Yeah. You got it. Exactly. Exactly. So things have um, evolved. Things has really, really developed with the, the pipeline industry. I remember, I'll never forget being at one of the trade shows, canine trade shows, where we set up a booth. Mm-hmm. And I had a... Um, prospective student stopped by the booth and he was looking at the material and he says, man, this is really interesting. And he says, wow, this is the money that you can make in this. I said, yep, absolutely. He says, cool. He says, well, let me ask you, he said, Mr. Nicholson, can you, um, would you be able to train a dual purpose pipeline leak detection dog? <laughs> and I'm like, hold it, wait a minute. Wow. I've never thought about that yeah. before, you know? And oh, I yeah. said, sure, absolutely. And so, when I got back home, I said to my wife, Maureen, I said, man, that's that's something. And we started to, you know, explore that and training a dog to, to um, let's say, um, criminal apprehension, personal protection dog, in addition to doing pipeline leak detection. Mm-hmm. And so we started to just uh, add and add and add. We've, uh, we, I, I laugh at some of our ads where we say... Um, we offer we will also we also offer tri-purpose dogs for your uh, uh, review. I mean, people. I'm sure people say, "What the hell is it? This guy's crazy. What the hell is a tri a tri-purpose dog? Uh-huh. Oh, well, we're going we're going into something else." But a tri-purpose can- a pipeline dog would be a dog that detects leaks in pipelines, a dog that detect that also is criminal apprehension, personal protection, or a dog that does tracking, or a dog that dog that searches for farms and ammunition. Um, so you have so many, so many variables that have come into play now with pipeline. And we're so proud of our students, our graduates who, when you go on their websites, you see all the different services they are offering in addition to pipeline leak detection. I just want to take a quick second and welcome to our show, one of the new sponsors here at Canines Talking Sense. It's an application for your phone called Search Dog Timer or SDT. You can find Search Dog Timer currently on the Apple App Store. It's not yet out on Google, but if you have an iPhone, you're good to go. What this app does, it allows you to take a picture of your search area. And in that search area, you can place up to four icons or four markers where your odor is at and what the odor is. And as your dog searches, you can just tap the button on your screen when the dog makes a find. And it gives you a timestamp of when the dog has located that target odor. What's unique about this is it gives you information on search duration. How long did it take your dog to go from beginning its search to making the first find, uh, going from that find to the next find, and it lays it out nicely on a photo. And when you've completed your search and you hit complete, it becomes a photo in your photo reel where it shows you where uh, your, your hides are at and when your dog actually found those specific hides. So it's a fun little app to kind of use and to document your search duration and search times. And again, you can find this on the Apple App Store called Search Dog Timer SDT. And we hope you like it. I know the developer of this app would love your guys' feedback, input. Uh, As with any app, they're always able to update, uh, make changes, uh, you know, do things that we're looking for as end users. So again, I hope you guys enjoy it. Go check out the Search Dog Timer app on the Apple App Store. Canine's Talking Sense webinars. You have heard from many of our guests. Well, now many of them are offering numerous webinars through our webinar platform on the Ford Canine website. All webinars can be purchased for $25 each or you can join the Ford Canine Club channel and get two webinars a month for $25. 
Ford Canine Club Channel always has one new webinar as well as one of the episodes from the past so you can enjoy again. Go to www.fordcanine.com slash webinar. Are you looking to become a trainer in sport detection? Ford Canine now offers the CSDT Certified Sport Detection Dog Trainer Level 1 and 2. Each course is a one-week immersive course to help you in learning sport dog scent detection. No matter what sport program you choose, our class can help you and your future students have fun and enjoy the world of canine scent detection sports. Not only do we help you learn the training aspect for dogs and handlers, but we also cover import aspects to help you grow and market your current dog training business by now offering this new service of scent detection to your clients. For more information and to see upcoming classes for the rest of 2020, go to www.fordk9.com and click on the Courses tab. Show your support for Canine's Talking Sense podcast and Detection Dog Pride. Go visit our new online store where we offer all kinds of hats, shirts, mugs, detection dog tools, and much more. Go to www.fordcanine.com and click on the online store and get your new canine gear. Do not forget to check out our store often as we add new products every month. Are you looking for quality detection dog training equipment? We have a variety of items on our website at FordK9.com. We have the glass jars. We have the odor shaker cans. We have magnetic boxes to hold your odors in. We also are a vendor for the portable scent wheel that's made by Pat Nolan at TacticalDirectionalK9.com. This portable scent wheel is made of stainless steel and has six arms and folds up to where you can carry it in a bag and take it with you virtually anywhere. There isn't a device out there like that, especially when it comes to wheels that is that portable and that easy to use. So you can order that wheel from us or go visit Pat Nolan's website, tacticaldirectionalk9.com, or like I said, go to fordk9.com, go to our online store, and look at any of the variety of detection-related equipment items that we offer for sale. Again, we offer this for any of our students that come here, but you don't have to be a student in order to get these items. Just go to our website, check it out, FordK9.com. Yeah. No, it's 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 a very interesting you know avenue for the detection business. So for the listener... Describe basically what a search entails. You get called up by, you know, ABC Oil Company. They want you to check, you know, an area for any potential leaks. So, you know, give us what it's like to you get there and what are you doing and what is your dog doing and basically the size and scope of your search area. Okay. Um, the size and scope of the search area can be anything. It's it's unlimited. Our biggest, one of our graduates did a 150-mile pipeline between North and South Dakota. And you can always bring in other dogs in terms of from other graduates so that you can trade out dogs, what we call trading out dogs on a line. Um, but what, what you, the first thing you're going to do, and we teach all this in our academy, is you're going to ask, ask certain questions to the pipeline company. The most important being is, what is the length in terms of mileage or kilometers? And what is the diameter of the pipeline? The reason why you need that information is because you have, you're have you going to have what you call a chemical calculator, which is like a copyrighted um, software program that we give to all of our students. And that tells you exactly how much odorant mm -hmm. that you're going to put into the line. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the job site, you're going to what we call inject the line, which um, in fact, we like to say injection. Everybody says, oh, my God, injection is such a big word. It's no more than putting the how you when you stop to the gas station and put um, yeah. gas in your car. And so you put your order in, into the line and then you let it sit for 24 hours because then what it's doing is it's going through the pipeline. And what it wants to do is it wants to escape. Mm -hmm. That's its number one objective. It wants to get out. And how does it get out? Wherever the leak is. And then what does mm -hmm. it do? It gets out and then it rises to the surface. Yep. So, and it has an odor. 
So once you train that dog on, on, on that odor and you're walking that line, walking that line, whether you have one dog, two dogs, three dogs, four dogs, or five dogs, you're just training out dogs on the line and keeping it going. And one of the things I do love about Pipeline is that the dog can really be a dog. In other words, we have some, some graduates will take their dog off lead, just let him run up and down and go all over the place. And boom, as soon as he smells that odorant, he comes in, starts to dig, and that's where your leak is below ground. Um, so it's, it's relatively, I don't want to say simple, but I start all my students, all my classes with getting into canine pipeline. It's 10% dog. The dog is the easy part. Yeah. Other 90% is learning the pipeline industry. That's the hard part. That's the part that takes, um, you know, really some studying and, and looking into how to operate in the pipeline industry. You know, it, it's not for everybody. Like people call us up and say, hey, you know, I really want to get into this pipeline. I used to work, I used to be a canine handler. Well, not because you used to be a canine handler. You can handle working in the pipeline industry. Yeah. I mean, it, like you bring up is, so, you, you know, you get to your site, they inject the chemical into the line. You then have to wait a period of time. But right. then you've got to go out and whatever the conditions are, you know, is it's, it cold? Is it hot as hell? Like you said, you, you, you're it. going from Canada to the desert. <laughs> you got and it. Then, and then you're walking. I mean, they have ma- maps, obviously, the lines, but you still have different types of ground that this odorant has to get through, depending on where you're at. You have different wind conditions, and then you're basically out there humping it. You're right. you're walking miles at a time with your dog, attempting to locate where this leak might be, and and then once you find it, let's say you've gone a mile or two miles, your dog finds one, you still have to go and examine the lines even further because what if there's not just one? <laughs> and, you know, yep. this is information that they need to have to be efficient in addressing the leak. So you keep going, and then like you said, it, it goes so. You're outdoors. You're in whatever conditions that are out there. What if it rained recently? What if it's, you know, the ground is still cold? There's all of these factors to consider. So it's not just like, oh, I just inject something and we're going to go out. My dog will run around and find it and it'll be fun. (laughs) It's like you said. And then it's driving to the most remote locations. Like you gave the example, a location you've never even heard of. And almost all of these are out in the middle of God's country. Nowhere, you know. Nowhere, yeah. And there's like not like comfortable hotels or restaurants or, you know, play. it's because they're out in the middle of nowhere, you better be prepared to live on your own. Is that correct? Absolutely. You, you hit the nail on the head. Um, we would be ecstatic if um, within 20 or 30 miles of the injection site, there's a Holiday Inn Express or a La Quinta <laughs> Inn. We'd yeah. be like, oh, my God, thank God. Because I've stayed in 200 square feet rooms, truck stop rooms for six weeks on a job in Canada because that was the closest place I could put my head down to the injection site. The, the sites are, are like middle of nowhere. And another thing, another problem was the amount of strange animals you run into yes. while walking the line. And there's one cardinal rule in the pipeline industry is no firearms permitted. And yeah. so I'm a guy who always has my firearm with me and Mickey has his firearm with me, um, with, with him. And so you're in the middle of nowhere and you're walking and you see things like, well, wow, that's a coyote and it's 12 noon. And all yeah. he's doing is standing up and he's watching us. Um, you see the wild boars, you see the bears, you see the, in Canada, they would, they would definitely t- tell you, look out for the moose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you are in the middle of nowhere. And then one of our graduates, um, unfortunately, uh, doing a job in Texas, came across some illegal aliens that were just mm. hiding and crouching down. So, yep. and, and speaking about that case, that was a female graduate and okay. when she told us that, when she told my wife that, Maureen says, when we first started, all we would do is basically train labs. And Maureen says, nope. She says, um, we got to start providing Belgian Malinois or German Shepherds for our um, female graduates just to have an extra level of some kind of, of, instead of the lab going up and saying, hey, yeah. how are you guys doing? How's everything? Yeah. Now, you know, you want to have something that, okay, that, that guy looks like he may be a, a, to, to provide protection as well. Well, the, the other thing is, who let's just say someone's up to no good and you just happen to come across them. They don't know that you aren't the ones looking for them. 
They don't know what you don't know. So some of them may actually think you're there to take them down and you're just out there looking for a leak in a pipeline. And next thing you know, you find yourself in a, you know, not a great situation. And if you're not prepared for it, it can go bad pretty quick. You know, even with, like you said, the, you know, wild animal aspects. I mean, like I said, we're out in the middle of all these areas. It's their area, you know, and now you're walking through. Now, of course, many of them can smell you and the dog long before you get there. But let's just say the wind's not right. Or you happen to be close to where they had cubs or pups or whatever the type of uh, animal this is. And now you're encroaching on there. And you don't know this. So these are, and then, like you said, you can't have it. Because if there's a, a gas leak, you can't just go firing a gun off because <laughs> you could cause a whole lot of a bunch of other problems. Yep. So... Yeah, yep. so there's like you, which is it's great that we're covering you know the whole aspect of hey this is this is is a great career, um, but it is one that isn't as glamorous and sexy as it can sound, or at least as no. easy as it can sound because it, you know it's arduous work. You are you know like I said putting in the miles. I forget who it is, but one of your students I think even has like an RV and they, they do it mostly out of that. And I know they've yeah. travel up and down and because that's a way to make life easy, but then that's more overhead, you know, depending on what you're, you're making, what you want to put into your, any business, those are considerations you have to do. So, but it, it is such a unique thing and kind of going into what I would say is, let's say the, the training aspect of it, it's like you said, it's, Nice and and easy in the sense that we don't have to have, let's say, this perfect sit stare. You don't have to have um, a way that you have to be ultra careful in the sense of it's not an explosive or uh, you're not dealing with legalities of narcotics. In this case, the dog can just go hunt basically this one chemical and then be allowed to do what we all used to remember back in the eighties and nineties, which was a aggressive scratch alert aggressive or an active alert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, which is super easy for a dog to do. Yeah. It's one of the most easy things to, to build. And they love it. They absolutely yeah. love it. It's just, it's just amazing to see how much they love it. Yeah. And it's in the ground. So digging the ground is perfect. It actually enhances where you want to flag the area. So yeah. No, yeah. it, it's it's a the process is is a super cool process and one that as a handler, you know, from you know, those of us that have been working dogs for a long time, just to let the dog do what it does naturally and have fun at it, man, that's not that they don't have fun in these other aspects, but that we just create more controls because of various rules or hazards. But in this aspect, the dog has the full freedom to be a typical dog. Go hunt for an odor, go dig at it, and you get paid for it. You know, it's just, absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's it is just amazing to see how they respond when you're on a job and you pull up to the job site. And we teach our students that before every job you go on, before you ever start your dog, put his harness on. From mm-hmm. the time the dog sees his harness out in the job, he's like, "Oh God, please, just just let me go, just just let me go." And they'll hunt all day long, all yeah. day long. You you have to stop them, especially like in some of the you know, hotter months. You have to stop them, put them up, trade them out. And then take out another dog, but they'll hunt all day long for the order, and it's it's just it's just so um, fantastic to see how they how they how they respond and how how they love it. Uh, we always when we start the class, our classes, we say, you know, your dog is your most precious commodity. Um, if you don't have the dog, you are not going to be able to do the job. So you got to take care of him. And we've had some incidences in Texas, Oklahoma, where Nikia's um, dog has just so you know, just so obsessed with finding the order, gone through barbed wire fences, um, um, gone through electric fences and stuff like that. But um, they still want to, they still want to, still want to go to work, still want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, and you, you brought up an interesting point and I'm curious to know this, I guess first is you, you mentioned a little bit, you've used labs, Malinois shepherds, because this to me sounds like a, you know, if I was looking at breeds, this opens up a lot of avenues, you know, dogs that are naturally outdoor hunters. So now you're looking at the sporting breeds, whether it be um, pointers, labs, springers, uh, yep. all the, what have you seen the, I know, like I said, most people pick what they like, um, which is labs and the other ones. Um, but how, what breeds have you worked with the most and which ones just out of curiosity, what you liked the most? Most the breed we work with the most right now, the Malinois has really um, overtaken. And in, in, in regards to when we first started, it was just labs. 
Mm-hmm. So the Malinois has really, really, um, we use a lot of them because we sort of like kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. We get a lot of students who maybe have a, a, a husband and wife team. And so if the wife is out doing her walk while the husband is taking a break, let's say in the, uh, the ATV with the other set of dogs there, the wife is out walking. Mm-hmm. Um, we prefer, like I said, we prefer to see them with uh, Malinois. So we're using a lot of Malinois. We've trained a couple of pointers. They are absolutely excellent. Excellent, mm-hmm. excellent, excellent. They, they're obsessed. And maybe just one or two shepherds, because okay. uh, the, the main concern we have with the shepherd is the heat and during yeah. the summer, because these guys will walk. Average person, Nikki used to walk, I would say, eight to 10 miles a day, yeah. uh, depending on the terrain. And so you have dogs that just want to do that. And it could be 98 degrees out there. And the humidity is just you know massive. And so mm-hmm. um, you have to be able to um, read your dog, trade them out, that you know, um, take out another dog. But as of now, we're we're really heavy into um, training up the Malinois. We had also trained a couple of Dutch shepherds as well. Okay, okay, yeah. So basically, like you're saying, is it it matches a lot of what those sporting breeds are. Just you guys haven't got um, enough of the different ones yet, but it doesn't mean it, it won't happen. You know, it doesn't mean because I I look at it logistics. I'm like, well, this is let's just say very similar to flushing a bird in a sense. You're uh-huh. allowing the dog to run in wide open field, find the, you know, in this case, the odorant, and then lock in on it and then allows you to get up there to it. Because just like you mentioned, too, this isn't always just walking flat ground. This is sometimes you're doing 8 to 10 miles in rougher terrain. Yeah. And that's exhausting in and of itself. But that little dog can bounce around and go through it super easy. And you're like fighting your way through it because you've <laughs> yeah. got all your gear yeah. on and stuff. So, so yeah, it'll be interesting to watch it kind of evolve and get more. So what would you say are future uses of this type of gas leak detection dog? Do you see it more in like, would it turn into potentially like um, commercial? I mean, like buildings, businesses, things like that. Yeah, we've had one of our graduates completed a job in New York City in a in a townhome that had a gas leak, and uh, built this beautiful townhome, and the owner could not get an occupancy permit because the city said you got a gas leak somewhere in here, and it was like a four story townhome, and he was like devastated as to my God, you know, do I have to break down my marble walls and stuff like that? So he contacted one of our graduates after exploring all types of other types of leak, leak detection. And our graduate drove to New York City and uh, injected the line, put a little bit of odorant in the line, mm-hmm. and uh, came back the next day, and the dog indicated behind a refrigerator in the wall. And everybody was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> That's where his leak was. That's where his leak yeah. was. Yeah. I am seeing now getting a lot of increase from gas companies overseas, like from Ukraine, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Egypt, China. Yeah. Uh, because what is also prevalent, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but what is also really becoming a problem is what you call the legal tapping of lines oh. where people are going in and stealing the product in the line yeah. and then covering it back up. And so then when the, when the manager comes in in the morning, the technician, he sees that he has a loss of pressure yeah. and it keeps going down, down. That means he has a leak. And so... We get, I get a lot of inquiries now about dual purpose pipeline leak detection dogs in terms of patrolling the pipeline with the dog, let's say in a vehicle. And then if you yep. come across anybody who's doing that illegal tapping, you have the ways and means of a dog to protect yourself. Yeah. Well, and exactly protecting the pipeline, protect, and then at the same time, be able to find those leaks because that makes total sense. You know, someone comes in, cuts into the line, uh, taps into it, takes out the product that they want turns it, you know, caps it back off, or let's say they create their own valve, but they cover it up. So it, it all of a sudden it can build pressure back up again. So it's like a leak that goes away and from the, let's say from the technician point of view, but the, that person, you know, obviously if they've done it once, they'll probably want to go back to it if they haven't been caught yet. So it's like having that mousetrap. You have the dog that goes and tries to find the leak. And at the same time, the same dog can also protect the line if you're out there patrolling it. So um, it's an easy, you know, way to look at it investment wise for a, uh, oil company, uh, or gas company to go, okay, you know, just like anything else in the dog world, you know, how much bang can I get for my buck on this yep. and yep. can I, and what uses does, does this team provide? So it makes perfect sense for how that works. 
What would you say, or what is the average? So someone says, okay, I'm interested in doing this. What is the average training time from, let's say, getting the dog to then getting out and start working? Uh, it depends on how quick you are in terms of uh, getting your other necessary um, items that you need to do the job. You need insurance, obviously. Mm-hmm. You need, we always ask when people call and say, hey, do you at least have a truck? Because you definitely need to have a truck so that you can transport your order in. The normal average time, the quickest I've ever seen a student graduate from us and then be fully operational was like 30 days. That oh, was wow. like really fast. Um, the longest I've seen people sometimes dilly-dally would be like maybe two months, three mm-hmm. months. Some people are really into wanting to get their website up and running. Yeah. Uh, make sure that they have all their um, documentation. There's a lot of, like I said, there's, there's so much to learn about the pipeline industry, which we teach all our students. And so I would say an average of 45 days to a bunch okay. of graduate from us to get it to get it up and going. And teaching the dog the chemical probably isn't the hard part. It's the, That's the easy part. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it's all the conditions. The, it's teaching us yeah. humans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The humans. And then yeah. probably dealing with the different ways it'll present itself, you know, through different types of surfaces. And um, have you ever had to do anything submerged, like in uh, under some kind of, you know, water area? Yes, we have. One of our graduates found a, a leak find in, um, in a, a line that was just totally in water. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's uh, it's amazing. It's amazing what is. And we're, like I said, we're so proud of our graduates because they are the ones who have taken this to a, a different level. They, if you look at some of our graduates' websites and you see again all the services that they offer mm-hmm. to include the, du- the dual purpose dogs, the single purpose dogs. I mentioned before that firearms are permitted on the are not per- permitted on the job site, and so we have certain graduates who provide also firearm and ammunition detection dogs to the pipeline industry. Yeah. So my wife always says, Marina always says, if you throw enough things on the wall, something's got to stick. So be willing to offer so many different services and you could be successful in this field. There are a couple, one thing I want to say about the pipeline industry, it is a real fickle industry. And we teach our graduates that this is for someone, you got to be able to go on a job as soon as you're called. The pipeline industry works on, if I call you, hey, Cameron, I got a leak out here and I'm in Arizona and you say, well, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be able to make it because I got my daughter's graduation or I got a function (laughs) to go to or something like that. They'll say, okay, thanks, Cameron. And then you'll be like sitting around saying next year or two years, man, I never got another call again from anybody in the pipeline industry because word of mouth is paramount in the pipeline. And so we always always advise to our students, you got to drop whatever you're doing and hit the road. Yeah. No. And that's, and that's big because, you know, as let's say a field like this, which is already pretty small increases in people offering the service that gives that client more avenues to find people faster or more dogs or whatever, because all they want, they want their problem solved. They want this leak found and they want to, you know, fix it. So and they don't have days and days of time, let's say, in certain circumstances to do that. Because then there's all these environmental aspects that come into play, correct? Where, yes. you know, how it's dealt with with EPA and, you know, yep. you, you're dealing with probably environmentalists or other, you know, social action groups who want to cause problems to a pipeline um, to, you know, bolster their case. Or if there is a leak for whatever the reason is then if they get word about it, it's just, again, fodder for them to use to say, see, these things are, you know, causing, you know, the global warming or other issues to the environment and so on and so forth. So it's a, uh, uh, like you said, you have to be, as a business person, ready to answer that call and and take action so that way uh, you stay relevant. Otherwise, you know, you could get passed by. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. uh, the, the other thing I look at, too, is, you know, the way law enforcement is these days, there's a lot of cops getting out, a lot of cops getting out. Um, shoot, I know tons that have taken retirement significantly earlier than they would have had the conditions of today been different. This is just another one of those ways for them to kind of use their experience from being a do- just like you did, you know, your, their experience as a dog handler and go you know, do a career, like maybe, you know, they're empty nesters, their kids are gone, 
you know, married or divorced or what have you. It's something they can do with their spouse or if they're on their own, they can go do this on their own. And um, it's like that. How do people get a hold of you to find out more about this? Uh, what's your website or information to, to learn more? Sure. Well, one of the things that I've done is I have a book coming out within the next couple of weeks. Um, and the name of the book is Training Your Dogs to Detect Leaks and Pipelines and a Guide to Mastering Business in the Oil and Gas Industries. Because um, I've been, I've been so, so, so many people have asked me about it. So I said, you know, let me just put out a book so that people can look it over, read it. And if they're interested, um, they can contact us. You can visit our website at uh, www.k9, the number nine, pta.com. Okay. And, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes too. Thank you. Thanks. Um, so yeah, um, I was really excited. I've never thought I would ever be an author before, but um, uh, the, the book is coming out in a couple of weeks and it, it goes to the things like we talked about. Like it shows you pictures of some of the animals we've encountered in the middle of nowhere and things that, and, and, and how to operate in, in the pipeline industry. It's a real unique uh, industry. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I've come from law enforcement. I've worked canine dogs for law enforcement agencies, as well as private security, my own private security agencies. And uh, I've never seen, been been involved or experienced how it is to work in the pipeline industry. That it is really unique. Yeah. And that's great information for people to have because, um, you know, these days, it, the more information you have, the better you're going to be prepared. I mean, that's anything, but uh, with something unique and niche like this, there's a lot of little intricacies that can make or break how this works for you. So having your step-by-step manual there uh, will be a huge help. And then, you know, is this going to be, you know, and what, you know, as people are listening to this, I'll have this be aired after your book comes out. Um, I'm assuming Amazon is one of the locations that it'll yep. be at. Okay, yeah, good. Amazon is on Kindle. Amazon is all over, all over the world. And this, like you say, this modern day day age of uh, the internet, um, it's going to be out all over as well as you can buy it in in person. Yeah, and I will I'll make sure that in the show notes of of this program, we will have the link to the book as well. So it'll be a link to your website and the book. And uh, again, hopefully there will be some more people out there who take advantage of this opportunity to, you know, learn from what you you know went through. You kind of went through and pioneered a lot of this by getting on the ground and doing it yourself. So if anybody's going to know exactly what it's like, you've been there, done that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're talking straight to the horse's mouth on the, on this one when they get to deal with all, you. All I do now is teach, teach it. No yeah. more jobs. <laughs> yeah, no. Both of us aren't getting any younger, and uh, you got you had a head start on me. So I got a head that. start on you. For sure, I got a head start on you. <laughs> so, again, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, come on here and, and tell us about this again. And it's a, a I like showcasing unique detection disciplines that are out there because you know there's a lot of bomb dogs, a lot of drug dogs, but something unique like this is is really cool to hear and somebody who did it from the ground up. Yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. it. Love it. I love I love it. I love teaching it. And I love nothing more than seeing our graduates who are out there, you know, just killing it, just working and providing the service. That, that just makes us proud. Awesome. Awesome. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of Canines Talking Sense, where it's okay to be nosy. 